We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. I'm halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This Listen. is... The Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. I was just about to say, listen to that beautiful intro. I haven't heard it since we've come back live on Sirius XM Channel 84. Uh, and then I flubbed the intro because I forgot Rob tells you to listen to this very show. But this is Field of 68 After Dark. It's a special Sunday edition. We've got chaos in the sport of college basketball. Number one goes down. Who should be the new number one? We're here to break it down for you. We've got a bunch of action in the Big Ten to get to as well. We'll do some Sunday superlatives, and we'll even move to the Big 12, where it seems like any given night, anyone can beat anyone. We've got Geo Baker. We've got Terrence Oglesby. My name is Greg Waddell. And we are here for the next hour live on Sirius XM channel 84. You can watch us on the field of 68 YouTube channel as well. Stay tuned for the afters after the show. We'll get to some of your questions. And if you hit us with stuff in the middle of the show during commercial break, we'll be live on the YouTube channel answering anything you got for us. Boys, I'm very excited for this. This is me and Gio's first time doing a show together. Yes, and you sir. know what that means? We get to ambush T.O., and yep. force him to talk the Big Ten. So let's start there. Let's go to Maryland-Purdue first. We got a bunch of games that happened today. We'll kind of rapid fire go through them all. Uh, but Purdue survives after a big lead at halftime. The team that looks head and shoulders ahead of the rest of this conference all of a sudden finds themselves in a one-possession game down the stretch at home against a Maryland team that a week ago looked absolutely dead. One week later, starting to show signs of life, Kevin Willard, had them ready to play in the second half tonight. Gio, I'm going to throw it your way first. How surprised were you that this was a game down the stretch? I was I was a little bit surprised. Um, you know, it's it's funny critiquing Purdue when they're 19 and 1 now. Uh, but just wasn't super impressed overall by the game today. Mackey never really felt like 
how Mackie usually feels like, where it's like kind of this mystic place. Uh, Maryland didn't really play well. They shot three for 21 from three. But, you know, for some reason, they were still in the game the entire time. So I, I wasn't super impressed by it. I don't know if you guys saw the same thing that I did, but I didn't, I didn't really love their game today. Uh, they've Maryland always plays Purdue close, and I'm not sure what it is, but there was a graphic that popped up on Fox while the game was going on. The, the two games prior to this one, this one only ended with a three-point spread, but the two games prior were one-point games apiece. So over the past three games, Purdue's won twice, Maryland's won once, and the grand total of the difference is five points. Like, whether it's the fact that Maryland's so athletic in the backcourt or whether they're so athletic in the front, like they have ways to give Purdue problems. But I think a lot of these things come down to what are you going to do with Zach Eady if nobody else is really helping all that much? Nobody else was in double figures. And a little bit of these right. things, like Zach Eady's terrific. I don't want to take away from him. He, he's got to put some of these passes. When he's getting double team guys, He's got to put some of these passes on the numbers because he's throwing them to the opposite wing and guys are having to jump to catch them. And that really, Gio, you know this, you were a good yep. shooter off the catch. Like if you have to jump up and catch him, come back down and then shoot, that's a really difficult shot for Purdue to be as good as what a lot of people think Purdue can be. Like he's going to have to put those things uh, with a little bit more accuracy out to some of these guys who can really shoot the basketball when it hits them in the chest. Yeah. And speaking yeah. from a shooter's perspective, I mean, Bad pass leads to a bad shot. And then the opposite, good pass leads to a good shot. That's just the way it goes. So definitely agree. And, and uh, I've had my fair share of bad shots off of bad passes. So I definitely know the feeling. But you still so, shot it. Yeah, but oh, still, still shot shooting it 100%. <laughs> I like that. So we got uh, Gio, who obviously played uh, the guard position in the Big Ten. We got T.O., who I would consider the resident shooter on the field of 68 lineup here. So I want to ask you guys this, because my, my skepticism toward Purdue – outside of the Big Ten when we get to March has always been, can we trust this backcourt? They're inexperienced. They've been great this year, but are they going to be ready for that moment? Are they even going to be ready to sustain through a Big Ten season and all that goes into it, all the physicality, et cetera? That plus the shooting. Today, they shoot two for 13 from three. All of a sudden, it's a game, a rock fight of a game, but whoever you're playing, if you shoot two from 13 from three in a game, the other team's going to have a shot at it. Do we still trust both this backcourt and this team's shooting ability to make noise at the national level and not just separate from the Big Ten? Tia, what do you think? Well, according to you, Greg, the Big Ten's best conference in college basketball. So that's not if true. They, if if we can, if they can be at the top of the Big Ten, they could be at the top of the country. At least I'm turning into a Big Ten guy. You guys have brainwashed me over the past two or <laughs> two or three weeks because every time I get put on a Field of 68 show, it's on Big Ten Thursday or Big Ten Sunday, and I'm here for it. Okay, I'm here for it. But it, I, the difference this year with this Purdue team, guys, like they defend. Last year's team, Jaden Ivey's, his focus was in and out. I mean, you could catch him slipping on the backside. You could get some of those guys on back doors. And now they're not force feeding a four and five lineup where Williams and Edie were trying to play together and they're not having to split minutes. This is a consistent team with consistent threats that know where they're going throughout the game consistently. That ball's working its way into Edie. That's the biggest difference this year. There's not a whole lot of variation in what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And defensively, these freshmen aren't losing track of the backside. These freshmen are, aren't losing their man because they're still freshmen. They're still hungry to be on the floor, and they know that they're going to get their butts yanked if they don't. I think that's the biggest difference. Kim Palm has them at 17th in the country defensively. That's the biggest difference between this year's Purdue team and last season's Purdue team, who I believe – was I, they were 93rd defensively in the country last season. That's the biggest difference. I, I think just think? 
to to add to that is because this backcourt is so young, they're not they're not a finished product yet. Like these guys are still learning constantly. I feel like my going back again, my perspective, my freshman year was when I learned the most, right? From film, from game day, from my teammates, from my coaches. That's when you're really taking everything in. It's it's not even February yet. They still have some time to still become a finished product. These guards are still learning how to take care of the basketball, how to lead, how to bounce back from adversity. There's still a ton of things that these guys are learning, and I think they're not a finished product yet. And the fact that they're so good already, I think it bodes well for them when it comes to time for the tournament. Hey, G, I got a question for you, because I played in a system at Clemson. We pressed the entire time. We were very one-track minded, and it allowed me to be one-track minded. To where, like, I knew where I was coming in. I was going to play 18, 19 minutes a game. I was going to shoot it every time I touched it. You played for a guy that was a little bit different. Like, Paykel, like, there's a lot of nuance involved. When was there a point in your freshman season? And I'm not even thinking back that far. Was that four years ago? What are you, 20? Yeah, like, yeah five, Freaking killing me years, over yeah. here. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> Beautiful head of hair. Look at me. I, nobody can hear us on radio, but I digress. Here's the thing. How long did it take you to really feel comfortable with what Paykel wanted you to do? Because like I said, there's a lot of nuance. Man, it, it, it took a little bit for sure. I think I don't think I ever was fully comfortable my freshman year. I was still learning everything. And, you know, also we, we weren't very good. So I was getting asked to step up as a leader, but I was one of the younger guys on the team. So there was a ton of different factors for me personally. But I think that's, that's what makes Coach Painter such a good coach. Mm. Like every single year – his guys, they know their roles. I mean, you think back to last year where you have Edie and Travion Williams, two of the best bigs in the country, splitting time, and you don't see any type of jealousy, envy, hatred. And I think that that's Coach Painter bringing all the guys together, and I think we're seeing that with these freshmen too, is that at the end of the day, they they know their role. Coach Painter is making it extremely clear, which helps a player overall in the long run. So I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but a, a minor miracle happened in this game. Zach Eady was whistled for two fouls. This is the first time in, uh, I believe, six games, only the second time in 10 games. Crazy. Zach Eady has picked up two or more fouls. I got to ask you this because I'm, I'm seeing the rounds being made on Twitter. That's favoritism. It's it's yeah. Big Ten officiating, right? There's a lot of inconsistency, I would say. And I'm sure this happens everywhere in the country, but the Big Ten has a reputation for its style of play. And I think officiating is part of that. However, Zach Eady seems to be a bit immune to some of the fouls that big men normally pick up. Gio, have you noticed this at all? And I guess as a former player in this conference, what do you what do you make of this trend where he doesn't seem to pick up more than one foul in a game? I mean, man, if they if they called all the fouls on him, he'd be fouled out every game. That's that's just that's just the truth. So I think that the officials have sort of adjusted to him, other than you know the other way around where he's supposed to be adjusting to the officiating, and it has been super inconsistent. Um, but that's only going to hurt. That's going to hurt Purdue down the line when it comes tournament time, where you know he's not used to certain type of officiating, and and he's used to being able to throw all these elbows and and get his positioning down low. Uh, so I don't, I don't think it's really a good thing, but it's making them look great right now. Yeah. Just to be uh, a contrarian, just to be a contrarian, just because this is a show and this is what we do on occasion. He's so freaking big and he's so strong in his lower body that he's just going to take up a ton of space and dudes just bounce off of him. Like I I think that's, he's massive. Like he he is. So it's like refing Shaq. You remember yeah. when everybody was having issues guarding Shaq and Shaq was like bowling, balling everybody that he was playing against. He he had David Robinson flying off of him like a bowling pin. 
Like it was amazing. Like he just moved players. And sometimes when guys are that big and that strong, like just because there's a lot of contact doesn't necessarily may, mean he's he was the culprit. But I I see what you're saying. He's getting, I, he's I, getting away with some calls though, for sure. Oh, there's <laughs> like, no doubt. There's no doubt. And, and the fact calls. that and the fact that but Painter has also done a nice job of hey man, whenever you're sealing, your hands got to be straight up. Yeah. yeah, your hands have to be straight up because they're looking for you. And on, on defense, he's trying to slide there a little early to where, like, if he is in the mix, he's there early. So he still has correct guarding position. And, guys, let's be honest. Like, he's an older guy now. He's in right position defensively most oh, of the time. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And he's seven foot 12, which, which helps correct. things. Like, it doesn't hurt things. So that just to be a contrarian, he's probably fouling like all hell. But just to be a contrarian, like, he does a lot of things that doesn't necessarily lead to fouls. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for the record, we are not advocating as the Field of 68 Network for more fouls anywhere. We oh. want to see the best players in the country on the floor, so I'm not saying it's a horrible thing. Just a, a very interesting trend I've noticed. One foul or less for a, a man of that size has been a little interesting in Big Ten play. But all right, let's move <laughs> uh, Let's move to, to Bloomington, where Michigan State went on the road today. The Hoosiers pull away, 13-point victory. Uh, there's no other way to say it, guys. Trace Jackson Davis has been arguably the best player in the country over the last three weeks. He's going to be the field of 68 player of the week this week. Spoiler alert for tomorrow. Uh, he's just been incredible. And today, that was more of the same. 31 points, 15 rebounds, four assists. Uh, the Michigan State front court has had their downs this season, that's for sure. But they had absolutely no answer for TJD tonight. Uh, T.O., I mean... I, he got his dominant hand the whole game. Isn't that kind of it? Like you can't let that man go left. And he got left at will today. Yeah, guys, sometimes there's dudes that you lead them so far one direction that it almost becomes an advantage because you're leaning the wrong way the whole mm -hmm. time. And if he's able to get a step on you, he, he can finish. I will say this about TJD though, guys, I've seen some lob catchers. There's been some really good ones over the past 20 years. Some really good ones. You think about Anthony Davis, you think about Zion Williamson. TJ, like Jackson Davis, he catches them from everywhere. He's got to be in the top three or four in the past 25, 30 years as far as catching lobs and finishing them at the weirdest angles. They throw lobs to him where he's running directly at the rim. They throw it behind him. He still manages to catch it and finish it. Like his ability, uh, he's got the strongest hands in the Big Ten. He's got the strongest hands in the Big Ten. There's a couple of rebounds where Joey Hauser thought he had it, and DJD was like, no, nah, that's mine, fam. I'm taking sure that. Took it. <laughs> that was all that was. It was just like, oh, yeah, you got a rebound? No, sir, that's mine. I eat those. I T. eat those. I, I, I don't know that he said it that politely. This game got pretty chippy in the second half, for the record. It, but it, did, get, right. it did get chippy, but he just took it. Like, it, it's right. unbelievable how strong – his hands are like yeah. to credit to him though. I mean, this Indiana team, they needed somebody to rely on a boy. Has he stepped up boy? Has he stepped up geo a couple I, I, weeks ago, you had one of the clips of the year. Sorry. I'll, I'll throw it right back to you. But one of your clips of the year for the field of 68 Mount Rushmore level clip, you said these Hoosiers were soft, right? Yeah. And I look again, this is the first time you and I have met 20 minutes before this show. <laughs> I agree with you, my friend. I can pull all the stats you want to know about Trace Jackson Davis's record in the candy stripes in his career against top 100 teams, whatever you want. I got it. I don't think this team has showed up in big moments. The last week has impressed me on the road to Champaign. Yep. And then tonight, I mean, is he sort of bucking your statement that this is a soft team? 
No, I was I was gonna say that too. I was I was super impressed, and obviously Trace Jackson Davis is always gonna be impressive. I mean, he's put up the numbers for four years now, uh, so that's not really anything different. But it was the other guys who impressed me. Bates had 17 points. Galloway had 17 points. I mean, these are guys who normally weren't really hitting their shots, and I mean, I think Bates had five threes. Galloway had three. You know, that stretches the floor and just makes everything easier for them. But I thought it was the other things too, like they were getting on the floor. Miller Cop was getting on the floor. I've never seen him dive on a basketball ever before. Right. He so played with an edge new. today. He played, he played with, with an, edge, an edge, edge Yeah, and it's and it's like the little things. They they got back to playing defense, getting on loose balls. They were communicating. They were just playing with passion. And I think that's what they really needed. Like that's that's what I think the whole country was waiting to see from them. They are we already know they have the talent. Trace Jackson Davis is a one of a kind type of talent. But what are these other guys going to do just to make winning plays? And I think we saw more of that today than we have in the past. Yeah, you got to give them credit given the injuries for sort of getting their season back on track, to be honest. I thought this was a wheels were off situation. Race Thompson returned today, three fouls in four minutes. Uh, who knows if he would have played more if not for three fouls in four minutes, but uh, something to track going forward. And our very own Jeff Goodman got the chance to sit down with Trey Galloway, who did have 17 points, three for three from three-point range tonight. And we'll show you that conversation right now. All right, now joined by Indiana junior Trey Galloway. Uh, 17 points and a huge win today against Michigan State, Trey. And this has been kind of a roller coaster season, hasn't it? What, what's this been like overall for you? Um, I mean, it's been great. I mean, obviously starting off 7-0 was a great feeling. When we're, we're ranked 10th in the country, we're feeling ourselves. And then we kind of just, after that, kind of got hit in the mouth. Um, and we, I mean, it's tough. The Big Ten, obviously, it's it's – we see it how it is. It's it's real challenging. And we, we lost three in a row and now we won three in a row. So like you said, it's a roller coaster of emotions. But I think our biggest thing was just to not panic. Um and that's what that's one thing we didn't do was panic early. We we started off um one and four, lost three in a row, and now we won three in a row. So now we can't we can't get too high. We gotta stay even keel and just keep keep taking it one game at a time, which I think we've done a pretty good job of so far. Was there one of those, you know, players only meetings or anything that after those three losses, was there something that kind of flipped this thing back? Um, I mean, I think it's just the little things, really. Um, there was nothing, nothing big, big time that really changed. I think it was just going back to our identity, which is defense. And that, that's one thing Coach Woodson has been really preaching about. And that, we weren't we weren't playing defense very well. Um and our toughness and, and the intensity that we had on that three-game losing streak, we really, we weren't really doing that. Now I think we're kind of getting that back, which is good, and you need that. And so in order to play offense and get into flow on offense, you have to get stops on defense. So I think that was the biggest thing for us was getting stops um, and being able to contain guys and keep in the front. And like I said, just toughness. Trace has been playing at a different level lately. I mean, insane. You know, other than Zach Eady, I don't know if there's been a more dominant player uh, lately, but I, I think what people don't understand was how banged up he was with the back issue. I mean, this is a guy that really wasn't able to do a whole heck of a lot in practice for a long stretch, right? Yes. Um, I mean, he's been banged up with started off with the hand and then it went to the back. Um, so he, he's been, he's been having some problems, but I'm, I'm really proud of him because he's, he's toughing it out. Um, and he, we, we need him to practice and we need him to, to play long games and that he showed up every game and he's, he's leading, he's been a big time leader for us. And I, I mean, like you said, it's been incredible to watch him just work and the, the amount of scoring and the, the dominance he's showing right now is incredible. And the way he's passing it, too. He's, he's a willing passer, which is great. He's passing on the post really well as well. So it's, it's been good. Like you said, defense has been huge, right? You, Tamar, Jordan, 
have all given some defensive versatility, uh, especially with X being out in, yeah. in race now. But you're, I want to talk to you about your three-point shot. All right, so 18% as a freshman, yeah. 21% as a sophomore, now shooting 46% from three. What Was it just a matter of getting more reps, more opportunities? Because when you're not getting a ton of shot uh, attempts, it's hard. You put more pressure on yourself, don't you? 100%, yeah. Man. And like you said, it's, it's shooting the ball with confidence. That's the biggest thing. And I think confidence comes from the reps that you take. And I think I, I've been – this summer I was injured with my groin. So I really just try to focus on the shots that I'm going to get in games and game-like shots and, and really focus on – I mean, because I've I've always I've always felt that I'm a good shooter, and so I think just shooting the ball up and shooting it with confidence and getting the repetition that I need it's 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 been really helpful and it's it's shown. So I'm I'm really glad that's happening. So, well, listen, uh, we appreciate we appreciate you coming on. Uh, good win, way to kind of flip this thing. My daughter's uh, very happy right now that sure. uh, that you guys are back on the winning track, and I'll be out there in a few weeks. So good, sounds good. Good yeah. seeing you. Good win, that's and I'll good. see you in a few yep. weeks. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, now pleased to be joined. And, and coming up, we're going to hit the best of the rest from this Sunday in college basketball, including the number one team in the country going down. Here, clear. All right, Dagan, what do we got in the chat right now? All right, fellas. Uh, obviously, chat, drop your, drop your questions in there. We'll answer them throughout the show. Um, obviously, you know, we have our big, our big, big East following in the chat. Uh, Yuli wants to know big, uh, big East team that's going to make the furthest run in the tournament. Oh, mm. go ahead, gentlemen. Let's I mean, I don't, don't all jump at I, once. My, my gut says Xavier, but that's pretty chalky. But like, it's my gut too. you give me that backcourt, Kobe Jones, Sule, boom. I'll take that over anybody. All right. You ready for this one? You ready for this one? Yeah, I think it's a tie. You want, to, you want to hear my tie? Both you teams really are ducking what? questions. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Ducking. You, you that asked me. Hey, I told you that I was going to artfully dodge. I was going to artfully dodge some questions, but I'm this going is with artful. two. It's I artful. think I, I think Providence and Marquette make the Sweet Sixteen. Really? What's your reasoning behind that? Well, Providence is starting to fit together well. They have a go-to score. Marquette has Tyler Kolick, and that's all I need. Wow. He is that good, and Cam. They have more scoring 30. this year. Offensively, Marquette's really, really good. Uh, Xavier, Xavier, but you guys picked them, so I'm just gonna. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna throw out Xavier as well. I think they're very balanced. I like, I like their balance attack. They're, they're really good, and they have so many weapons. Sulek so, Boom's been a hell of a transfer. Fifteen dude. seconds, dude. Not enough people are talking about him. I swear, yeah. like he just feels like a Ten guy seconds. to have a big March moment. You know, one of those mm -hmm. names. Just hear it. Five. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here we go. Three, two, one. we're back on the field of 68 after dark sunday special edition i'm greg waddell we got geo baker we got terrence oglesby and we got a bunch more games to get to that wrapped this afternoon let's stay in the big 10 for the final game of the day my michigan wolverines survived and advanced with a victory over minnesota i think it's fair to say that it's not the ncaa tournament but every single game right now feels like life or death for the Wolverines and speaking of potential death for this team, Jed Howard left the game with an apparent ankle injury, no formal confirmation on the status of his injury going forward, but he was seen in a boot in the second half. He did not return after that injury. Geo, that's not something these Wolverines can afford, right? No, not, not at all. I mean, we're talking about a team that already, and, and I want to come at your team right now in another year, big Michigan fan, but you know, already has a limited playmaking already has limited shooting and we saw it as soon as he went out. I mean, it it wasn't a, it wasn't a great basketball game to watch, right? Minnesota is not very good. This is a team that Michigan should be able to take care of pretty handily, but um, you know, just, just very limited playmaking all around, uh, around Hunter. So I thought, I thought when, when jet went out, you know, that makes it 10 times harder. Yeah, it got dicey. Joey Baker uh, started the second half for this team. Joey was one for six from the floor, missed mm-hmm. a breakaway layup, gave up a three in transition right after. Ugh, just not not enough depth. I mean, they already lost Llewellyn earlier in the season. When yeah. you lose two guys who are starting caliber, that's a, a tough look for a team already as limited on the talent side as they could be. Uh, T.O., I feel like it does warrant at least acknowledgement that Hunter Dickinson was pretty great today. He's a guy you and I have certainly had back and forth on throughout the season. Uh, but today, at the very least... He was good enough to drag this team to a victory given the circumstances. 23 and nine today. What'd you make of his performance? Yes, he's good. Hunter Dickinson's a good basketball player. And do do people want more out of him? Yeah, but let's keep in mind too, dude's averaging 17.8 and 8.9 boards a game. Like it's almost like we're being a little unfair to the young man. He's also yeah. shooting 57.5% from the field. That's pretty good, guys. And <laughs> as good. much as we want him to be great and to be more. But how much more is he going to be with the people that are around him sometimes? Like Joey Baker has been pegged as a shooter his entire career, but he's never, has he ever really made shots guys? That, that's the thing. Like if you're a shooter, eventually you got to make them. You got to make shots in order to be a shooter. Does it look good coming off his hand? Sure. It doesn't go in. doesn't matter. Right. It, it, it's almost like, Hey, do you want to acknowledge Trace Jackson Davis? Because he goes left hand every time. And then you look at his stat sheet and he's like 25 and 17 over the past six games. Thank you, Rob Doster for that stat. But I, I digress. The big thing with Hunter Dickinson is do we want more? Sure. But at the same time, you also have to look at what's around him, but he can drag your team to a win, especially against the Minnesota team who came out with some energy after getting absolutely thumped by Purdue and they were going to come out with energy at home, but uh, this is a big win for Michigan to be able to pick up. Then they're just going to be dragging themselves the rest of the season. And Hunter Dickinson, if they're going to make the tournament, it's going to be because of Hunter Dickinson. 
It's funny yeah. though because they're they're right at the top right now at five. That, that's they're right, they're right at the top. Crazy. Of ten, which is insane. It's not a good look for our medium ten, Geo. It's yeah. not a good look for this conference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was I was just gonna say the Wolverines to me the scariest part was how flat they came out today after yeah. putting up a stinker against Maryland. Not a team given uh, their record overall ten and eight. They've got one quad one win on the season. They are not even sniffing the bubble right now. Not exactly a sign that you want to see from your team that they're just not there. They're down 10 points, the worst team in the conference immediately. But like we said, credit to Hunter, credit to the other guys for stepping up. Uh, and they do at least avoid the horrible loss that keeps them alive at this very moment. Let's move to the Big East where we had UConn against Butler today. UConn at one point was in the conversation for the number one team in the country. They've had a rocky couple of weeks to say the least. Today, they finally just blew someone out, which I think we've kind of waited for. They did that for a while early in the season. Now, here you go. They did it in conference play. 30-point victory over Butler today for UConn. Was this more about UConn getting on the right track, T.O., or was this just Butler is a really bad basketball team right now? Butler's not great, but it's also important to recognize that UConn needed something to fall on, and they needed a soft pillow. And today, just hap- the soft pillow just happened to be Butler. And they knew they were walking into a hornet's nest. And didn't know Hurley was back on the sidelines, correct? Yeah. Hurley was back on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, yeah I, I, I caught snippets of the game. I was watching like seven different games, didn't have the volume on. You know how that goes. So, like, he's back on the sidelines. You knew they were going to come out with some fire. They needed to come out with some fire after a close loss at, at Seton Hall. Uh, it, it's not like here, – here's my thing with UConn. Like, it's not like they've lost all their pieces. They've just hit a bit of a rut. When's the best time to yeah. hit a rut? January. Why? Because then you start to get some level footing back towards the beginning of February. And then you hope to start playing well towards the middle to the end of February. And then you're at conference tournament time. And then you're living good because then you get to come in and say, you know, we're playing the best basketball of our, of, of our team's year this season. We're playing the best basketball heading into tournament time, and that's what you want. So I'm not falling off the UConn train just because of, the, just because of this recent skid. I feel like they're going to gather their footing. They're going to start knocking down shots. I need Joey California. I need you back in action, baby. I need you back right. in action. This UConn team still has all their pieces. It's not like injuries have derailed them. They still have guys. They still have talent. They still dominate the boards when they're engaged. This is a team that don't sleep on them. They could be back at the end of February. Yeah, I was I was gonna say the same say the same thing, Tio. I mean, basketball at the end of the day is a game of adjustments. It's a game of evolution. These guys were rolling in the non-conference when it was you you know maybe less scouting. You know, you have these early season tournaments where maybe teams just aren't preparing for you as much, and then you move yeah. into the conference play where. Everybody knows UConn basketball, right? You're not going to surprise anybody in conference play. So now teams have adjusted to you. How do you react to that? And how do you adjust? And I think we saw that today. Obviously, Butler isn't the best basketball team, but this is that adjustment period that they needed to get back on track. So I'm I'm still high on UConn as well. I think that they hit a little skid, but it's really more about how do they react to it and how are they evolving? How are they adjusting to, to everyone else making those adjustments against them? As a player, is there something mentally that goes into your head a little bit if you start that cold in conference play? Like, this is a team that wasn't a national favorite preseason or anything, but I think pretty quickly into the non-conference, everybody realized how good this group is, and it's like, oh, I mean, this this is a potential one seed. This is the Big East favorite, et cetera. All of a sudden, they've lost five straight games or however many. They had five losses in their first nine games in the conference. Like, does the switch flip from 
let's go win the Big East to like, let's just get right for March? Or is that not even something you think about as a player, Gio? I mean, I, I think I've been in, in every situation. Uh, as a younger player, it's definitely something that you think about, right? It's something that, that affects your mental. But the reality is the good teams, the great teams, the ones that find a way through that little skid, that find a way through those losing streaks, all they're thinking about is is just winning the next game. Like, that's that's the only thing you're thinking about. You're thinking in the moment, how do we win this next one? How do I forget about the last game? You're never too high, never too low. And that's what we need to see right now from UConn. And and, and uh, I think we saw that today, at least. Yeah. All right, let's go to the number one team in the country, or should I say the former number one team in the country. Houston goes down today at home to Temple. This was a 56-55 to 55 final score. Another ugly basketball game. Uh, I, the one thing that stuck out to me, guys, and I don't want to oversimplify and just get into you know the final 10 seconds of this game, but the ball was not in Marcus Sasser's hands, and that shocks me with this team because I think he's yeah. the one guy you want the ball in the hands of. Gio, what'd you make as far of as what? As far as what? A, a chance to win the game down one point? Like that's they come out. There was a timeout, I believe. There was a review. There's nine seconds left, and then they essentially got a Jamal Shed downhill drive right ball never touches Sasser's hands which I'm not saying nothing against Shed I think he's a fine player he's had some efficiency struggles this year but I mean that's just and then at that point it comes out of bounds baseline they had to throw the lob play but is that like I was shocked by that Gio should I have been shocked by that I I was shocked by it but I want to ask you guys something too because and I don't know if you guys watched the full game but Houston just like never looked interested in the game to me sasser never looked interested in the game to me i was really surprised by that because i the last time i was on here i was preaching about how houston is never going to be asleep in a game their coach is always going to have them ready but they didn't seem interested at all i don't think it looked like sasser didn't break a sweat the entire game and i don't know if he's always like that but um you know i, I just wasn't super impressed i mean temple had a, a solid game plan i guess with with their pick and roll action they had a little short roll and they were finding guys but at the end of the day they scored 56 points it's not like they were they were scoring all over Houston's defense, um, but on offense Houston was stagnant. It was all isolation plays, like you said. Sasser just never really got in that aggressive mode. Um, so you know, I just I just wasn't wasn't impressed by how disinterested they were in the game from from everything I could see. Uh, yeah, there, there's something I promise you. This Samson's going to have those guys. Oh ready yeah, to practice. Oh, for like, sure. Let, let let me just assure you, you don't want to be a part of that practice. And <laughs> I've never been to a Samson practice. I'm just guessing yeah. that it's not going to exactly be the most thrilling. Uh, Jonkic made one of the most impressive blocks at the end of the game. Like, yeah, and he nice. wasn't just there in the last 15 seconds. He was there for the entirety of the game. And credit to Samson, he still had them in the game with a chance to win. And that tip off that baseline, that was a nice play design it was a great i mean curl they knew he was gonna they knew he was gonna trail he curls right around he has it right there and mark just can't put it through jamar mark just can't put it through uh houston team they're still gonna be houston and i promise you it it, guys sometimes it's good to lose it's good to lose in conference and it's a long season this isn't football right you're gonna lose and sometimes your weaknesses uh get really shown out in front of everybody uh, during these losses, and then you can w- work on those things moving forward. It's not necessarily a bad thing. This Houston team is still going to be really good, but credit to credit goes to Temple. They came in, and you said Houston didn't have energy. Temple had energy. 
Yeah. That bench was in it the entire game. They got big performances from a couple of different guys. Uh, Dunn ended up with 16, got to the free throw line, and they weren't overly efficient, but they almost played like Houston wants to play. Just muck it up, make it dirty, and we're going to foul the hell out of you, and we're just going to see what happens at the end. But credit to Temple. Like, it's a team 12-9, and nine, and they've gotten off to a good start in their league. I mean, Temple's 6-2 and two now. They're, yeah. Are they a great team in the non-conference? They sure weren't. What were they, 6-7? and seven? And now they're starting to play well when it matters most in conference play. So uh, good for Temple, good for those guys. But Jonkic with some serious defensive plays towards the end of the game. And it wasn't just one. I mean, he was all over the place. Yeah, I was going to say, it seemed like they out houston Houston. To your point, yeah. Gio, it was yeah. like watching a team that just felt like somehow they were going to snap their fingers and retake the lead. All yeah. of a sudden, they're down eight with three minutes left. You saw them make the run they needed, but ultimately, it wasn't enough too late for the Cougars. All right, coming up, uh, we are going to talk about if this Houston team should still be the number one team in the country or if we should turn our attention elsewhere and crown a new best team in college basketball. That's next on the Field of 68 After Dark. Here, Claire. Dagan, what do we got? Is it popping yet? Uh, it's getting there. It's getting there. Uh, Nick had a question earlier I didn't get a chance to ask, but it was about Indiana. So we'll, we'll go back to them. Um, if TJD was healthy this whole season, would the player of the year race still be up in the air? <sighs> Has he been healthy just the last six games? Like, if that's the case, absolutely. Absolutely. He's the best player in Hoosier history if he can play the whole year. Like, he's <laughs> played over the past six games. My man has been bananas. The Hoosier hoopla. Well, I mean, this is this is just Big Ten guy T.O. through it. <laughs> hey, best player in Indiana history, and there's been a lot of good ones. Wow. Wow. If, if, I'm, hey, I'm obviously crazy. he's not that. He's not that. He's not that. But what I'm saying is if he did the whole season like he had done the past six games, I can't find an argument. You but tell you know, me, T.O., you know why that hasn't happened, though? Because it's T.J.D., man. This what is the tantalizing thing about T.J.D. Gio knows this. He does this for like three weeks at a time, and then it stops. <laughs> like, that's, that's why seconds. for four years people keep expecting this Indiana team to be great, and they're always like eighth in the conference. Yeah, like, man. what are they right now, tied for eighth in the conference? And we're here saying he's the best player in college basketball? Like, Yeah, that's I just, what, and that's the only argument right there that you can't really – you can't put him over ED right now. Purdue's 19 and one. Like, what do you like? Yeah. There's no, there's no, argument. there's no argument there. How about, no, how about Purdue loses a top five there pick and three five, starters? Four. Crazy. Three. Painter. One. Welcome back to the field of 68 after dark. And gentlemen, it is time to talk who should be the best team in the country. In fact, this is great timing for this segment because tomorrow, everyone's favorite college basketball bracketology show is returning to the Field of 68 Network. That's right. It's Fielding the 68. Tomorrow's episode will be hosted by yours truly. We've got the best bracketology experts in the business unveiling their first brackets of the season. And these teams we're about to talk about right now, in the mix for number one overall seeds come March. We've got Terrence Oglesby. We've got Geo Baker. My name is Greg Waddell. Let's get right into it. As we just mentioned, Houston went down today. Purdue survived. Alabama has been the hottest team in the country. But who is the best team in the country? T.O., what's your answer as of today, Sunday, January 22nd? 
give me Bama. I mean, at this point, what they've been able to do to the past few opponents that they've played has been downright ridiculous. What are they, 20 piecing everybody they play? They beat LSU by damn near 100. And then they go and they beat Vanderbilt by 12 and then put 21 on Missouri at their place. And Mizzou has had success at their place. So the way they're playing, uh, the way they're defending, I, that's the biggest difference. We remember this Alabama team from a few seasons ago that got a lot of hoopla and whatnot. They were top 10. They were going to make the Sweet Six or the Final Four. Everybody was picking them. What did they have in common with this team? They freaking defend. And they had a big guard in Herb Jones that could make things happen for everybody else. Bama has that. And I would venture to say offensively, Brandon Miller's much better than Herb Jones. Defensively, not quite, but he's not bad either. Uh, Alabama right now, in my opinion, guys, they deserve it, especially since right, right at Christmas, there's been nobody better. Give Alabama the number one. Yeah, I think T.O. basically stole everything I was going to say. Damn it. <laughs> hey, start we're, going to G.O. I mean, first because listen, I ramble. Listen, <laughs> listen, man, I mean, they, they won seven straight SEC games by double digits. Like, you know, just the way they're playing right now, they're connected. They got the length. They got the athleticism. They got the shooting ability. I mean, everything that they have right now, um, it's hard to argue against them being number one, especially after seeing per- the way Purdue played today, the way Houston played today. If we're basing it off of right now, you've got to go with Alabama over those two, in my opinion. Yeah, not only have they won all those games in a row by double digits, comfortable margins, they also, going back in time a little bit, beat Houston at Houston back before Houston was losing at Houston to other teams. Uh, So should Bama be in their own tier at this point, or do you think there's arguments for other teams? Because I'm just looking at that group. You just referenced Purdue struggled today. Houston goes down. We've seen Tennessee take a loss to – I don't know, an okay Kentucky team in the last couple of weeks. We just saw UCLA. Hey, lose Kentucky is back. Arizona. Kentucky is back. Was Kentucky back when they beat Tennessee, though, or are they back now? Like, that was a clunky game to you. I just, like, I'm looking, who could we even make an <laughs> argument for over Alabama right now? Because it's like, it's Houston, Purdue, Tennessee, Alabama. Are we throwing UConn back in there? Like, it kind of feels no, like no, you can't have you can't have UConn in there. You, you, UConn over the last month, it, or, I mean, are they even a top twenty-five team over the last month? No, like that's your issue. That, that's your issue. Now, are they going to be great by the end of the year? I really think UConn's going to be good, but uh, I, I would say Purdue, Alabama. I'll, I'll throw Houston in there because I promise they'll be interested next game. Uh, but what about, I, what I about put, any big any Big Twelve love? Any Big Twelve love in there? I still, man, guys, I still like Kansas. I know that might be a crazy thing I to like say. I like Kansas, too. I still I'm like saying. Kansas. And, I'm you know, saying. Big 12 has all those teams. Hey, why aren't we talking about Kansas State being in that tier? Ooh. Like, why? why are, is there a reason for that? Are, are, are we anti-man-happy people? I'm a big <laughs> man-happy person. Like, you got to throw Kansas State in that mix. I think that's pretty straightforward at this point, right? I think that's fair. Would you, Geo? I mean, they got two potential All-Americans. I don't know that any other team in the country has that. Listen, that's that's why I was asking where the Big 12 love was at. I think, I mean, Kansas State, Kansas, um, you could even argue TCU and Texas, I think could all give, give them a run for their money. So I think the Big 12 is super deep as well. All right, yeah. so of, of that group of Big 12 teams, we can throw Kansas in there, Kansas State. We got to throw, I guess, TCU in there after uh, what they just did to Kansas. They also beat Kansas State recently as well. Uh, but you've even got teams like Iowa State, Texas are both top 15 teams on Kempom. Baylor, I haven't even mentioned. Uh, I feel like this conference race is somewhat open now that Kansas has opened the door. 
But I want to know who would you take in March? Not who would you take right now from this group of teams? Who do you think has the best chance of making a final four, potentially winning a national title? Gio, what, what do you think? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, all right. So say those <laughs> teams ahead, again. Hey, hey, just, <laughs> just say those teams again, because I, I tend to go off to the left because I forget what we're talking about. So say those teams, what we're doing. I mean, I, I will, I, I'm going to run through the available teams okay. and really we can open this up to the entire big 12. Cause I wouldn't be shocked if any of these teams make it to the NCAA tournament, but we're talking Kansas state, Kansas, Texas, Iowa state, Baylor, TCU. And if you want to pick up Porter Mosier and the the Sooners TL, I wouldn't slap you too much, but I don't think you should do that. GL, what do you think? I won't do that. I still I still like Kansas overall. Um, you know, and you guys are gonna hear me say this way too much, but you know, just talking about basketball as a game of adjustments. They're coming off two losses, tough losses, of course, but that's gonna happen to any great team. We're gonna see it all throughout the country. I still love them in terms of their talent, the culture. They have guys who have been there before. Great coaching. I mean, everything that that you 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 want in March, right? These guys have it. So uh, I'm going with Kansas overall. But Big Twelve is crazy right now. I mean, we were just talking about it: Kansas State, TCU, Texas, Baylor. I mean, you can't really go wrong with any of these guys. But if I were if I were a betting man, I would bet Kansas. Look, here's my thing with Kansas State. I can't remember the last time. Actually, I, I think I can remember the last time. Where potentially, now I notice I'm saying potentially, the best NBA prospect on the floor for Kansas State's their fifth offensive option. And that's Naquan Tomlin. Is he your best NBA prospect? It's possible. That's kind of where I'm at right now. And also, if you look at who was the last team to have their best option come off the bench or be the fifth option on offense, that was North Carolina and Marvin Williams, who ended up going number three. Now, he's not that. But what I am saying is there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of veterans on that team. And Jerome Tang, if he showed anything, guys, if he showed anything in their game against Kansas, he can keep up X and O wise. He can keep up. So I'm picking Kansas State to make a run. If I had to pick one team out of that, just because so many weapons, new coach, there's so much energy. uh, I mean, it's, it's hard not to pick them, but there's just so many good teams in that league. You guys tell me how crazy this statement is, but... I would have Kansas third on teams that I trust in March in this conference. I would have two teams ahead of them. I would go K-State for the reasons T.O. just alluded to. But really also, like, I don't know that there's a duo I want more in a single elimination style game than Johnson and Noel. I just I think that's two high powered guys that if we saw this against Kansas, right? Noel didn't have it. Okay, let Johnson put the team on his back. And then one game later, all right, now it's my turn. Noel's there to get it done against Texas Tech. Uh, The other team that I don't think we're talking about right now for fair reason, but I think they've started to right the ship, is Baylor. Yeah. I mean, I still come NCAA tournament. There's a long way to go to get there. But I still think this backcourt is probably the best backcourt in the country when they play well, when you've got the three guys that are all going at once, it's the same formula. It's different faces. There's no Davion Mitchell here defensively, but we've seen this before. And that's to me, I want good guards. When I get into the NCAA tournament, we talk about it being the year of the big, uh, I, I would take those two teams over Kansas, which listen, T.O. knows this. I've had some, uh, some back and forth with Kansas fans throughout the year. I was wrong <laughs> preseason. I was making jokes at Grady Dick's expense. That was on me. I was wrong. But one thing that uh, it's very big of you, Greg. It's very big, very big of you, Greg. Very big of you. Dewan Harris. Like I, I got a lot of shit for saying, are we sure that that's our guy, a point guard that we trust? I know he's a great guy normally, but 
Are we looking at what Harris has done the last two games and saying we we trust that guy to run a national title team? I don't he ran see it last that. year. But it was a lot easier to run it when you got Ochai Baji there, isn't it? Touche. And Jalen Wilson's great, but I'm just like, we've seen this guy in crunch time against Kansas State. What do you do? Throw the ball away on a swing pass up top? And then I don't know what happened in this last. I'm just saying. I'm just, I, they need a scorer at that spot to me. They don't need a setup guy this year. And uh, I don't think they have that right now. So I'm squinting back on the Jayhawks, T.O. Maybe I'll get bit in the end for this. I don't know. Um, I think you might. I think you might. Real quick, let's go uh, total rapid fire style. Quick answer here. If you could pick one conference in the entire country, you get all of their teams and your goal is to pick the team that wins the national title. Who do you pick? It's I think it's the Big 12, right? Big 12. You, yeah, you could argue SEC, 12. though, Tennessee, Alabama. Yeah, that would probably be my you know what? choice. The thing is, is Tennessee's offense is up and down, and I love Tennessee. I think they're really, really good, but I, but their reluctance to give Julian the ball scares me. Julian Phillips, the ball scares me. So that, but if you look at Final Four teams, I, I think Tennessee and Alabama are both Final Four teams. The the other two, I'm still up for debate right now. I think Purdue could make it, depending on how well those freaking freshmen show up. But I'm picking the Big Twelve at this point, even though the SEC has guys. But if you're picking the the conference as a whole, they've had the most recent success. So, okay, Fran Fraschillas, GL, what's your answer? Uh, no, I'm 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 with him 100. Big 12. I don't. Me, okay. All the reason he gave is the same same reason I would have gave. Okay. I thought about saying the Big 10 just to throw you off, Greg. I uh, you you're too nice to our listeners, T.O. You don't lie to the people like that. I would have appreciated it personally, <laughs> but you're too uh, too much integrity for Mr. Oglesby. All right, uh, we're gonna head back to break here, but coming up for the final segment on After Dark tonight, we're gonna do a little check in with the Blue Bloods that we all know and love. T.O. himself just declared that Kentucky is back. We'll break that down next on After Dark. You're clear. Dagan, what we got in the chat? Got to be honest, we don't really have we don't really have a lot here. Um, oh, lie to me, Dagan, lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. We'll get people people put some questions in there. I did see one earlier. I forget who it was from. But if you had to give me uh your All-Americans right now, who would they be? Ooh. Do it quick. So obviously we don't have that much time. So can you have five Zach Edis? Yeah, right. Sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, uh, Zach e- <laughs> no, Zach Eady, uh, Brandon Miller. I'd have to look at some analytics there for that to be the case. Is I don't know, but those are two that are definitely there. Mike Miles, who I think is awesome. Maybe not Mike Miles. I don't know. That, that's that's a hard one just to pop on somebody, Dagan. Well, I mean, that's that's the point of the chat questions there, Tio. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, touche, I, 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 have, I have a spin on that question, Tio. Armando Baker. Who, who who would win in a five-on-five game? Five Zach Edies or five Kentucky Tyler Ulysses? 
That's such a fantastic question. Who That's would such win? a good question. I don't know if, if Zach Eady could get the ball up the floor. Yeah, but at the same give time, me, give he doesn't have to dribble. Just just line up five Throw Zach Eadies in a straight line, <laughs> and you just pass from one to the next one every time all the way down. Ten seconds. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's got – Five. I'm just playing Monopoly here. I don't know. <laughs> well, here we'll we get to the – we'll, we'll come back to one. that. <laughs> we are live on the field of 68 After Dark, and if you can't tell, we're having some fun tonight. We are brought to you by Bet Rivers. Uh, we are live on Sirius XM Channel 84. You can also watch us on the field of 68 YouTube channel as well. Click subscribe if you're over there, and make sure you get in there for the afters. After the show wraps – Every episode, we stick around for 15 minutes or so and answer all the questions in the chat. We've got Geo Baker. We've got Terrence Oglesby. My name is Greg Waddell, and it's time to check in with the Blue Bloods. Specifically, I'm talking Kentucky. I'm talking North Carolina. I'm talking Duke. All three of these teams at a certain point this season have been declared dead, and then all of a sudden, a little CPR, a little resuscitation. Maybe they're starting to see the light in late January. Let's start with Kentucky, though. T.O., about 20 minutes ago, you said, well, Kentucky's back. Take us there. Are the Wildcats back? I think they were almost uh, – it was almost by proxy that they got back. Like, because when Tennessee – when they played Tennessee, Severe Wheeler sat. And now – Severe Wheeler's back, and what are they doing? They're not playing him as much. He played 11 minutes against Georgia, and they're finding a different lineup that works a little more. And I'm not saying Severe Wheeler's like an end-all, be-all cure to come off the bench, but what I am saying is it changed things around because you put an extra shooter in to bring the ball up the floor. C.J. Frederick, who's a field of 68 guy, uh, you bring him in the game, at, let him run the show, and then Sheev's got a lot more room. He's got a lot more room. And then you're also bigger around the perimeter, too, whenever you play some of those lineups. Uh, and Jacob Toppin's been better. I think a lot of it comes to that. Uh, even against the Texas A&M team, that is tough. Any buzz coach team is going to be tough. And when it, whenever he was at Virginia Tech and I was finishing up my degree at Clemson and helping with the basketball team, like, you dreaded playing a Buzz Williams team because those guys were going to bring it every single minute, no matter what the score was. And the fact that Kentucky was able to beat them handily uh, was impressive. And Severe Wheeler only played eight minutes in that game too. So they found some different lineups. They're bigger. They're better shooting. Sheep has more space to operate. And Antonio Reeves has just come alive. So that's why I think Kentucky has – they're back, baby. Kentucky's back. And I'm not sure they're a national championship contender. I just don't. But at the same time, it's a deep tournament team. It's a deep tournament team as long as they stick with some of these rosters that have helped things out over the past three games. Yeah, I don't, I don't want I don't want to say they're back, but uh, they're figuring it they're out. They're back. I think, I think is a is a is a way I would put it. I, I'd say they're figuring it out for sure. And and uh, and I said it too when Frederick was out. You know, just having him on the floor just helps you as a team so much. You know, when he's the guy passing into Shigwe or. or you know, he's just on the opposite side. You can't help off of him. And he hasn't even been shooting the ball well, but it doesn't matter. Just his presence on the floor ends up helping a ton in terms of spacing and shooting. They've been defending the three a lot better. Texas A&M was three for 16 from three. Tennessee was three for 21. Uh, so, you know, they're playing solid defense as well. But I don't want to I don't want to say that they're back, but I'd say they're they're starting to figure it out. And, and that's just what happens over the course of the season. Yeah, I don't want to harp on one kid too much, but uh, to T.O.'s point, Severe Wheeler, Earlier in the season, uh, through 
before this winning streak started, was averaging 30 minutes a game. He's played 19 total minutes for Kentucky in the last three games. T.O., are they unback if Severe reinstates a 30-minute role on this team? I don't think the, – the thing is, is what he does well is bring energy. Like, why would you change him back? That's kind of the – that's kind of my hang-up there. Like, he's a good player. I, I just don't know that the role suited him well. He's not a 30-minute guy because he's not a great shooter. And he shot – he shoots – his percentages are fine, but he's so hesitant to actually take the shots that it doesn't really matter, and the defense isn't worried about it. Now the defense is worried every time somebody brings the ball up the floor. They have to guard the entire possession. It changes things up completely. And now Kentucky's starting to play with better angles because they can. The defense is playing t tighter to them. It's a big difference whenever Severe Wheeler's not on the floor. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Uh, let's move to your country, though, T.O. ACC. We're talking Duke next. Duke, uh, again, ups and downs throughout this year. They lost to your boys at Clemson. They bounced back very nicely at Cameron Indoor uh, with a two-point win against the number 17 team in the country, the Hurricanes. Uh, Jeremy Roach was back healthy in this game, and uh, I don't think that's a small thing for them. He had 14 points off the bench, 6 for 10 shooting in 27 minutes. Are you buying Duke, Gio? Uh, I don't I don't know if I'm if I'm buying if I'm buying it if I'm buying it um it was it was obviously great to see Roach back and, and he's the calming presence that I think that they really needed um even when he's on the floor it feels like they're kind of relying on him a little too much in terms of the backcourt play um you know but they got to loose balls they finished plays and you know that, that starts with him that's he's their leader he's their veteran um you know so I was happy to see him back and, and be in that calm, calming presence but I don't know if I'm buying Duke. I don't know. I'd say I'm probably still a little bit on the other side of that. Lively was good. Lively was really good against Miami. Uh, that's a big thing. Here's, here's my thing on Duke, and they're going to be back in the national title picture, not this season. It's going to take two or three years. And if you look around at all super successful coaches, it takes them a second to get their feet wet and to kind of understand who they are as a head coach. And I think John Shire is going through that right now. He's sure. figuring out what he's what he is as a coach, how they're going to play, how he reacts to certain situations, all of that stuff. And then you compound that with the fact that who's really their bucket when they need a bucket is Filipowski, Paolo Bancaro. Nope, he's not. He's a very good player. He's not Paolo Bancaro. Jeremy Roach kind of needs to be that guy that facilitates to everybody. Jacob Grandison hit some shots, but it's as a result of somebody getting in the paint kicking out, spacing the floor, and then he's knocking down shots. They need somebody to create those actions. Uh, they, they just – the talent is good. It is top – it is – what was it? Top number one recruiting class in the country in a class that wasn't necessarily top-end heavy like the Palo class was. It, but it's a bunch of pieces. And this is a good way for John to learn what he is as a coach without a singular guy that's going to almost be a crutch for him. Does that make sense? I, I, I got real deep right there. No, I, I got real deep right there. I didn't mean to get deep. I didn't mean to get deep. But but he's no, figuring out a lot it, of things without yeah. somebody that's going to fix everything for him. I mean, I feel and like it, it, there's and there's a lot of unrealistic expectations at the beginning of the season. I mean, you you have I'm to you. think about it from a coaching perspective. Like you can't just come in and replace Coach K. That's just that that's unrealistic. That's not how it works. So the fact that, you know, we, we just I think as analysts, we haven't taken that into account where it's like, OK, listen, this is going to be an adjustment period for him. And then also what happened at year one at North Carolina, I don't think helped that at all either, because now, you know, they, they had the same thing, you know, high expectations. But at the end of the day, 
it is um, it is an adjustment period. You can't just go from being Coach K's assistant for as long as you were to all of a sudden just coming in and being the head coach. It's 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 going to be a lot harder than I think people expected. I think everyone else on the outside just sees Duke and you automatically assume that he's going to be the same as Coach K, and that's just unrealistic. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to it. And he and, – and it's not like Coach K gave him a whole lot. Like, he coached a couple of second halves right. when Coach K was feeling nauseous. Right. But, like, other than that, like, he just didn't – he doesn't have any head coaching experience. He's yeah. figuring all this stuff out on the fly. Yeah. It would help him if, like you said, T.O., he can get more from Derek Lively uh, once the number one recruit in this class has really struggled on the offensive end this year. Five blocks against Miami, another team that uh, had very high expectations, to say the least, coming into this season. The Tar Heels, they've gotten on track. I mean, can we can we call this on track? The string of wins, Louisville, Boston College, and then a, a nice win at home against NC State. But I'm still waiting for this team to beat a bona fide, no doubt team that's like a top 25 team in the country. They haven't really done that this year other than the Ohio State win. Uh, T.O., should we buy back in on Carolina at this point? Is this just that they get it right for March? I, I, I'm buying back in on Carolina because Armando Baycott, they're featuring him more. And I think I, I'm going to get out of this quick so so you can talk, Gio, because I know we don't have a lot of time. Left. But uh, is if they can get Caleb Love going, that Carolina team is going to be the Carolina team of last year at the end. Everybody else is playing well except for Caleb Love right now. He doesn't really look like he wants to be there. If he plays well, Carolina's back back. If he doesn't play well, it's going to be hard because he is that difference maker at the end of the clock. About 45 seconds left, Gio. I think it just it just depends on how we define uh, their success, right? If we're going, again, going back to that preseason hype of, yep. you know, they're, they're supposed to be this top team. I don't think that's what who they are. Are they a bad team? No, they're absolutely not a bad team. They're still very good. Uh, but it's just easy to critique them comparing them to that preseason hype. But we're starting to see them play a little bit better. But, uh, you know, also a really thin bench. That's that's one thing I think they need to be careful of as well. UNC has one game left against a Ken Palm top 25 team this season. That's at home against Virginia. That's what happens when you play in the ACC, folks. <laughs> Mr. Terrence Oglesby is going to kill me in the afters. This was the field of six, 68 after dark. Geo Baker, Greg Waddell, Terrence Oglesby. We'll see you next time. And you're clear. All right. Uh, chaotic end to that show, but I had to get one more shot in at the Atlantic Coast Thank Conference you. there. I'm sorry, Tio. You uh, if right. you've been listening to us, jump into our YouTube chat. Fire any questions you've got us. We'll stick around for about the next 15 minutes here. Uh, Producer Dagan, anything going on in there? Let's let's do it. Um, chat, re-ask your questions again. If I didn't get to them earlier, it's way too hard for me to scroll back and try to find them um, with everything going on. Um, I did see one, though, which was kind of along the lines of what we were talking about with All-Americans. Um, if you had to pick Power 6 leagues, which first team from any of those leagues would win in, a, in, in you know, like a tournament Ooh. style? Ooh. I like that. I forget who asked that. So if you asked that, I'm sorry, but that was a good question. That's a really good question. Who, so basically, who has the most individual talent yes. out of the Power 6? Yes. Okay, knock out the Big Ten. Do we get to pick big... our coach too as part of this? Sure, sure. You can do whatever you want. It's the knock afters. The it's, big... the, it's the afters. You can do whatever you want. Okay, so I'm knock a, out I'm, the Big I'm Ten. Notes, okay, so knock out the Big Ten. Knock out the Big East. The, the Big East is very good. The top end talent of the Big East isn't what the rest is. Um, Are we sure knock the, out the Big East? Yeah. Positive. You wouldn't take like two guys from UConn plus a couple, maybe one, two from Crate. Like I feel like you could get a five. That's pretty nice there. I think I'm going I, Big Twelve. I think I'm going Big Twelve, guys. So, so Big Twelve. You have Mike Miles, Jalen Wilson, 
Um, who else would be on that? I'm trying to think who the big would be. That's the only thing. Marcus Carr. Keontae Johnson. So you can have Johnson on there. Hey, don't sleep on the Pac-12 if we're talking about just strictly five now. You have what? Hawkes. Give us your five. Give us your five. So, Hawkes, you're going to think I'm crazy. Tiger Campbell. Uh, Tubelis. Drew Peterson. Southern Cal. Good player. And maybe even a Brendan, maybe even a Brendan Carlson siding from Utah. Seven foot one guy who can step out and shoot threes. That's a good team. I love that you had to throw in the Southern Cal qualifier for those that might not know who Drew Peterson is. <laughs> yeah, just for the record. yeah, Southern Cal. Um, I, if I had to pick, it would be between the ACC and the SEC, quite frankly. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on an SEC one right now. I'm just struggling at the guard spot. I don't know who I'd love from the guard spot there. Because you, if you can give me Brandon Miller, Oscar, maybe you take like Vescovy to start just to have Oof, a Vetti shooter there. But Oh, Terry Roberts. Did you see him against Kentucky? Holy no. cow. That dude was, you know, talk about, man, shifty. Really good. I, I would probably go the ACC, quite frankly. I think the top end is there. Isaiah Wong. Tough. Armando Baycott. Um, there's a, man, that, that's a hard one, actually. Now that you say all that stuff, that's a really hard <laughs> one to really, like, pick them out right away. Take anyone from Virginia on there or no? Yeah, Reese Speakman, I'd probably take him. So if so, basically, if we're just picking like NBA street style, you beat a team, you take a player. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Yeah, I like that. that. That's a great question. Let's write that. Let's pin this one because it's going to take entirely too long. To, to <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll next time we'll, we'll make it the whole show. We'll just do each. Yeah, let's pin we'll that we'll one. Do the whole let's thing. pin that. Right. Yeah, we should do a whole show of that. That's we can a do a whole show question. of that. Uh, yeah. Matt Schultz, realistically, how far do you think Purdue can go? Purdue? Purdue. I think they can win the whole thing. I really do. That I defense, I, I think I so because of the defense. I think so because of the shooting. The only thing that's going to hold them up is if Zach Eady has a bad day and can't pass it out. If he figures out how to pass to that, it, like if he just passes the ball better, like puts it on the numbers, and he's got a lot of duress and guys hanging all over his shoulders and everything, but those guys are good enough shooters and they're guarding. They're really defending this year. That's the biggest difference. Gio, did you say you don't agree that they could win it all? Yeah, I don't I don't see them winning it all. Um, I do think the the situation with Edie and Fowles is gonna come back to bite him in the butt uh come come March Madness. And um, you know, those freshman guards, they they've been they've been okay, but I can see a lot of guards exploiting them uh, you know, come March where, you know, again, it's less scout, it's more kind of quick quick pace type of game. Uh, I just think the style overall of Purdue and the Big Ten in general just doesn't do well in March, and that's why we continue to see that uh, the past couple of years as well. So I, I, I don't – I could see them Elite Eight, Sweet 16, uh, but I don't, I don't see them going as far as winning it. Uh, I don't see it. That feels like the Painter zone too. Yeah. I, I, lo I love Matt Painter, but that, that's – And look, the Elite Eight is the Painter I'm, zone? I, I, like sweet sweet 16 sweet elite 16. eight in there yeah if we're talking so ceiling. second weekend second weekend yeah that painter like and, the and second it's weekend like, is what you're saying I, yeah. I think a lot of people give him some crap for that too but it's like at the end of the day it's so hard to win in march you know it is and, and you got to be lucky it's so hard to win you got to you got to be extremely lucky you have yeah. to be lucky and um you know so like me saying sweet 16 elite eight isn't trying to throw a shot at coach painter or at purdue you know what i mean but 
Um, I just don't, I don't see them winning at all, um, you know, because of all those other factors. And they, they ran into a bus on St. Peter's last year. If they don't play St. Peter's, like they probably in the final four. Yeah. Like think about it, that. Shout out it's Peter's. really, it, it's shout really interesting. Peter's. It's interesting to me because I feel like it, the people who are highest on Purdue's chances in March are not big 10 people to me. Like even big yeah. 10 people can say like, Oh, they're the best team by far. They're going to win this league, but we're all still like, eh, I just don't think it's going to work. And that's I find how I that feel. really, that's how I feel right now. Too. Yeah. It's crazy to me to just think. And yeah. also uh, if you could just tell me for sure that they'd avoid Rutgers, then their chances of winning it all is like 50% higher to me. You're, you have a spell on these guys, Gio. What four and one, I think in the last five against Payne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been, we've, we figured out the game plan, man. We figured it out for sure. And, and it doesn't, doesn't hurt when you have Cliff who can kind of match up with Edie a little bit. That definitely helps. So. And you have bigger guards who yeah. pressured the hell out of the other guards. Like yeah. what, what? a lot of people are like, how do you stop Zach Edie? Hey, you stop him before the ball gets yeah, there. You don't let and him that's pass what, it in. That's what ball pressure. And that's what yeah. Rutgers is going to do that. Like if you can get out there and pressure those guards and then make those passes, make him take one, like get him one dribble further away from the rim. Yeah, exactly. Just one dribble. Your efficiency drops. Like the majority of post players, efficiency drops tenfold if you just get them one more dribble out. And, and I know had, that sounds like not a lot, but like that's a that's a huge deal. We had a, right? we had an extensive extensive film session when I was there on on Edie of his makes and his misses. And same thing that you were saying. We were saying if you push him out early, we have a lot of ball pressure. Get him out farther on the block. The efficiency dropped down like majorly. I don't remember the exact numbers, but thirty points. Yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Dagan, what else we got from LD twenty three Heart? This is gonna this is gonna really test your knowledge here, boys. So you ready for this one? Yeah. Top to bottom, which league is better, the WCC or the American? <laughs> what a what a great question all right so let's where's pull this fanta up here. man we need fanta here <laughs> no fanta that would take him a second too that that let's see we have to go the all the way to the bottom because the bottom's gross in both man. well that's 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 what he said top to bottom we both know, we know the top of both it is insane to me it is absolutely <laughs> insane to me and i just pulled up the west coast conference so forgive me that per, that Pepperdine doesn't just get dudes year after year. Have any of you guys, Dagan, Greg, have you guys been to that campus? Yeah, I haven't been. I've there. never been to campus. Holy but I know what it looks shit! Like. I've heard. Oh about my it. god, dude, Dwayne Wade's their neighbor. Like it is like, <laughs> dude, it is insane out there. Dr. Dre lives down the beach from Pepperdine. Like, how do you, hey, Dr. Dre, NIL, Beats headphones, whatever the heck you got to right, do, dude, right. Pepperdine can be a freaking force. I'm not even kidding. It was the most beautiful place I've ever seen. I was, I was like, I, I, I swear I grew up in God's country, but I missed out. It's out in Pepperdine. T.O., if, if you got the Pepperdine offer, are you considering it? That's too far away from Memo. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> At the uh, time, the, for, the, the, for the record. Why I didn't go to, it's, why, it's why I didn't go to Michigan. Yeah, sure. I'm sure. No, uh, that's right. That's that's a true story. That's why I didn't go to Michigan. It was too far away from my grandparents. My grandparents were getting old. Those are my two Amaker. It was uh, Clemson and uh, Michigan. Is that and actually loved, true? That's actually true. I love Tommy dude. Amaker. You could have you could have saved my program four years before it got saved. You asshole. That was <laughs> made, that was Stu Douglas. Stu Douglas. Val Lucas you. Perry for three years when I could have seen you shooting all those shots. They were recruiting me alongside. Uh, God, what's the kid's name? Uh, Manny Harris. 
It would have been yeah. me, Manny Harris, Deshaun Sims. And that's who that's kind of who they were trying to recruit around. And the only reason I, I really like Michigan, I thought it was really cool. And uh, we went up there and the block M is really neat right there in the middle of campus and you can't step on it. And they have all these cool things. And uh, my grandmother was getting older. Uh, my grandfather was uh, my grandfather was uh, he, he had started to develop dementia and I wanted to be a, a little bit closer, a little bit closer to home. So that's why I ended up going to Clemson. Plus, they were on the way up. And uh, ironically enough, my last college game was against Michigan. So <laughs> I remember it well. I remember yeah. it well. I uh, honestly, I owe you a thank you. I might write you a little handwritten note in the mail here soon. If you commit to Michigan in the Manny Harris, Deshaun Sims era, John Beeline never comes to Michigan. So my program might not ever be saved, even if you, you know, it's funny. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Saying. I can't remember who the assistant was. I was recruiting at the time, but he spent some time over at uh, Air Force. <laughs> and I called him a few years later because he was recruiting a kid that I knew. He's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> he, goes, <laughs> he goes, you're down there in Clemson hitting all those game winners. And then we got fired. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was too far away from home. And I, and I asked Amaker, I was like, Amaker, like, hey, Tom, how, how, how cold does it get up here? How cold does it get up here? <laughs> you know, I'm from, I grew up in Tennessee. It's not that cold. We get snow once a year on accident, Geo. Yeah. And it's like, and he goes, we don't know. We don't go outside. <laughs> I was like, I respect that. I respect wow. it. But that, that's a true story. That's a true story. What a what a domino effect that would have set off. That's incredible. Yeah. Look at that. Incredible. Yeah. For the record, Dagan, the answer to that question is the American. Because yeah, I, don't, I don't know how we got here based on that question, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about Pepperdine. That's right. That's yeah. true. That's true. All right. I got another one for you. A little, little less challenging. Uh, boiler diehards. If you're a first-year head coach and you can either have Zach Eady for three years or Brandon Miller for one year, who are you taking? Oh, Zach Eady. Am I allowed to play Zach Eady more than 17 minutes a game the first two? I'm like Matt Painter. You're the the coach. You can do what you want. Then Zach Eady. But if if I have to pretend Travion Williams is better than him for two years, then maybe Brandon Miller. Yeah, Zach Eady. Zach Eady's worth 20 wins a year by himself. And if you're a coach in a, in, a, in in a world right now where you're getting fired for, I was just gonna say, like, if you're not winning 20 games, you're getting fired. Even if you are winning 20 games, you still might, <laughs> still get, might fired. get fired. <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> give me Zach Eady just to give me some consistency to start off, was, and then I'll recruit some dudes behind thing. him. That's a good thing. question, though. That's quality. I mean, if you're a coach, that's your that's your livelihood. You need you need three years, three good years. You know you're good on the contract. Hey, Chet. Hey, Chet started off slow. They're bringing the heat. They're at. Here's here's another one for you. Uh, Tournament bracket is his name in the chat. Tournament bracket. That's a great name, by the way. Awesome name. I don't know how you got that. Uh, Can NC? He's probably wrong. Can NC State sneak into the second weekend? Is Turk healthy? That's my question. Turkey is healthy. Turkey is healthy. The update. uh, All tests came back negative. Nice. And he is day-to-day. So, yes, he is healthy. Uh, depending on matchups, depending on matchups, depending on how they finish in the conference, so let's just say they do well in the conference and they get in the tournament because right now, to me, they're on that – they're in, but they're on that bubble line. I'm going to say yes because of the same reason that I picked Miami to go to the Elite Eight last year, and that's because they have guards that can create their own shot, and they have a bunch of them, and they play a certain style. And good luck preparing for Turks, Turquavia Smith on one day. Like, good luck. That is very difficult. So, Tia's just going on luck again to try to get 
that NC State. Hey, no, how, no, I'm <laughs> saying good luck to whoever they're having to. No, no, I'm for. saying That's I'm saying you're, you're picking like Miami, so you're just hoping for luck again, like you did last year. That wasn't luck. <laughs> what are you talking about, Dagan? What are yeah, you, Dagan. Oh, Dagan. Luck. Clearly, we have hey, to get. Hey, to hey give me a favor, Dagan. Call Archie too. Call yeah, Archie too. Uh, that's true. That's true. That's true. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Clearly, we have to get T.O. on fielding the 68. Our bracket. We do. We do. Speaking of that, starts tomorrow, at 5 p.m. Right here on sure 5 p.m. tomorrow. Everybody watch. Fielding the 68. If Clemson, be, if Clemson's not a three seed, don't even watch it. Like, don't even bother watching. I, I, <laughs> I have a quick with confidence. <laughs> who, who, who else is on that show? Who else on that show? Yeah, who's on the show? Uh, who's the lineup tomorrow, Daniel? So the whole show, we got rotating hosts of Greg. Jim and Kai from the Three Man Weave Best Bet Show. Those guys are gr- those guys are some of the funniest human beings those, on the planet. Those are our rotating hosts all year, and then we have four bracketologists, well, two on each week or each show. Um, Lucas Harkins, Rocco Miller, uh, Andy Bottoms, and we added Brad Wachtel this uh, this year. So those four guys will rotate. Who who's the last one? Brad Wachtel. Is that Greg's alter ego? <laughs> just rhymes, Tio. Yeah, it just rhymes. I you want to tell us about your relation to Terry Oglesby while we're at it? I got no relation to Terry speaking, Oglesby. I have speaking an uncle. of relation, I have an speaking uncle. Of, of that, there was, a, there was a question in the chat. Is you related to somebody, uh, Greg? I'm sure you've gotten this before. Somebody from Purdue. Um, Brian Waddell? Yeah, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you've gotten that before. That's, yeah, no, he's, he's my little cousin, for sure. He's hooping. He took the, the stuff from me, that's for sure. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true at all. I'm say, I, just, don't, I, don't, I, I couldn't tell. Face I had no lie. idea if that was true. Or not. It's a total lie. <laughs> it sounded dead serious. We are. Uh, <laughs> I would have given. Hey, I would have given you Brian Cardinal. I would have given you. Like, I would have given you Brian. Cardinal. I did. Uh, I did tell Caleb first that I'm related to him though, because we're doing this whole college hoops to go travel series. The airs. That's on the cool. By the way. By the way. Thank you. But we're uh, we're going around to ten different Big Ten campuses. We're not going to Geo's Rutgers this year, which is That's sad because I'd love to see the rack. But uh. Anyways, we, we got to awesome. go to Purdue. We're going to Purdue in a week, and I'm still holding out hope that I'm going to be able to sit down with my long-lost cousin. So I got to sell it everywhere that I can right now. <laughs> All right, I'll give you one more question before we go, and then you guys can do your, your toast and we can get out of here. Uh, this one's okay. specifically for you, Gio. Uh-oh. Who's, who's oh, winning man. in one-on-one, you or Ron Harper Jr.? Oh man, Ron Ron's going to hate this. I know you guys are going to clip it too. So, but <laughs> but yeah, I got if it's. If it's three dribbles, which is how real hoopers play one-on-one, everyone knows real hoopers, you play three dribbles only. I've never met anyone who could beat me one-on-one. That's that's just me. It's a so, wild statement. That's uh, a wild statement. Three dribbles, three dribbles one-on-one. T.O., listen, I, listen, I'm not saying I was the most efficient basketball player. <laughs> I never, ever got my shot blocked once in my entire career. Hey, Gio. Jump shot. I'm eating food. Three dribbles, we're done. Like Three I, dribbles. Come on, man. I was living inside three dribbles. I couldn't dribble more than that before I dribbled off my foot. Three, three dribbles. Let's eat up. food, baby. I mean, we can set this up. Man. This is, this three. Dri- Wait, you're saying that you would beat me three dribbles? Yeah, yeah, I would. Beat oh you my goodness, oh, yeah. oh, I would beat you go. three dribbles. Dang, what's going on? What's go. going on? I think right we need to set this up. I, I, personally, I think hey, don't doubt me. I, I, I'm averaging smooth twenty five in church league. Smooth twenty five <laughs> in church league. Hey, are you coming down to Final Four, Gio? I don't know. I mean, listen, listen, if, you know, Rob and Jeff can hook it up, then, you know, then right. we'll talk, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make something. We, we can work something out. I need to see this. Uh, we used to do that all the time with uh, three dribbles with James Flight White, Jody Meeks, Malcolm Delaney would come down and play. Like we had a bunch of good, like the best way summers. to play. We could yeah, whole, threes. A whole tournament at the network now. RC. Yeah, we probably Gainsborough. could. 
I'm not playing three dribbles with hands, bro. I'm trying to keep my teeth. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm good off that too. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm not fine. playing right. hands, bro. Right. Well, you know. I don't know. You might you might have a chance against hands, bro, because like he would just throw it up at the rim and just go get it himself. Doster. I mean, come on. He's he's gonna be Doster, right? <laughs> Did you just bring up? Did you just bring up Rob Doster's name and a bunch of one-on-one talk? This is to. ridiculous. Right, let's, get, let's get to toasting. Let's, let's go. Are you sure? I'm There's sure. no more questions. I'm, I'm ready to go. There are we more questions. Another but, 20 minutes here. We, it's only if I 10. read all the questions, we'll be here all night. We're doing toast. We, we, did, we, we did the show with you for a reason, Gio. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! All right. Uh, listen, I'm I'm throwing to Gio because I love that three dribble answer so much. Gio, who's your toast tonight? I mean, this is going to be a pretty simple toast, but toast tonight to Temple. Uh, you know what they were able to do it's never it's it's a rare occasion to beat the number one team especially on their home court so the fact they were able to go out and do that today um, you know major props to that program and I you know I love how they've been playing in conference play so toast some nights at Temple cheers all right to the owls. Cheers. cheers to the owls T.O. I'm um I'm toasting to J.P. Pagese the new starting point guard for the Furman Paladins who in a rivalry game at Wofford goes for 24 points on eight of 17 shooting. My man was aggressive. My man was aggressive. Furman has two guys that are going to get paid money. I don't know what level they're going to get paid money, but they got two guys and Mike Bothwell and Jalen Slauson. We covered them earlier this year for the field of 68. They're very good. They needed a third guy to be good consistently. JP Pegues is starting to step into that role. He was excellent tonight. Cheers to them. Big win for Furman. 15 and six on the year, six and two in conference, still staying atop the, uh, the SOCOM. Cheers. Um, all right. I'll do it. It hurts. It hurts me to say it, but it's got to be TJD. It's got to be TJD. 31, 15, and four. He was the player of the night. He was the player of the week. He's been the player the last month. And, uh, man, Indiana's not exactly dead yet, which I can't believe. I thought two weeks ago they were dead. You could write them off, and they're not thanks to Mr. Jackson Davis. So, honestly, I should probably start smiling about that. Somebody's at least trying to hold the Big Ten up a little bit still here. That's a good thing, I guess. Thank you, Trace. We appreciate you. All right. This was fun. Thank you, Chat Mob. You really turned it on in the fourth quarter today. We appreciate that. Uh, For Terrence Oglesby, for Geo Baker, I am Greg Waddell for producer Dagan as well. This was the Field of 68 After Dark. 